And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm here, so <laughs> I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren, and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat it together? Everybody tells me okay. to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw, like. <laughs> Howdy. I'm I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) I love Oklahoma. (laughs) I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Great. Very good. I like the hat. You bro. like the hat? Yeah. <laughs> Vava, this is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlechter, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? How was your Black Friday? Man, I had such a great... No, I didn't have a great Black Friday. Uh, I just um, just drove all day. That's what I did on Black drove Friday. Drove all day. All day. Guess what? Uh, I grew up in a house where my dad never decorated our house for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't, I didn't begrudge him for. It, was, it would have been him up on the roof, not me. Yeah. But uh, for the first time in my life, I bought lights and I decorated <gasps> my home. Because everything was like 50% off for oh, Black Friday. So wow. I got you know, super cheap lights. So now I have a beautiful home. Wow. We're going to need to see some pics. Some pics from... Yeah. Should from- I dox myself by uh, <laughs> revealing my home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, Al. Do what you want to do. Um, hey, before we talk about the Thunder as a basketball team, we're going to give a quick Josh Giddy update. We have... Honestly, like no opinions will be given here. We're just going to give you the information. And then once the results come out of the league investigation and now this police report, then we will talk about it more then. But for now, Alex, give us our yeah. Josh Giddy update. So so the, the big update since the last time uh, we spoke on Monday was that TMZ reported that uh, based on a source they have in the Newport Beach Police Department in California – that they have opened a police inquiry, um, which I don't think that fact alone should really sway your opinion one way or the other. Um, it was kind of presented as like due diligence, like why why wouldn't they look into this? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking to our friend Luke, who you guys may have heard of, uh, the L man stands for lawyer. <laughs> uh, he he was telling us that you know with these inquiries, normally you wouldn't hear the results of them because. Yeah inquiries happen all the time and if it doesn't escalate beyond that you're never going to hear about it i I do sort of hope that we do hear the results because if it is a you know if if the police do 
investigate it or or inquire into it and don't find mm-hmm. anything to pursue it further i there is part of me that feels like that would be more closure than just the mba looking into it sure um so i i kind of appreciate that that's happening um because right now it kind of feels like I don't know. It, to me, it feels like it's going to end up very ambiguous regardless. But I think if you have an, an, a third party, it's totally separate from the NBA, that would maybe help um, you know, with, with whatever they find to bring some kind of closure one way or the other. Yeah. Because uh, I think for Thunder fans, like, that's really what we're all looking for. Like, yeah. yeah. One way or the other, we would just like closure to this. Because, I mean, you could see it last night. We're going to talk about the game. But like you know, Giddy's getting booed on every single touch in a in an away arena. That was yep. the first away arena that they played in. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of stuff is going to continue. I think that is only going to escalate, especially as like fans of other teams see what's going on. So it it does feel like an untenable situation mm-hmm. that is is not is not going to is it's never going to vanish. Like th- this is going to stick until we get some kind of final word. Yeah, and so hopefully the the addition of a police inquiry into this accelerates that process. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, right now this this sucks so bad, <laughs> so bad. And Andrew's gone. Wow, he makes he leaves me to discuss the Josh Giddy situation on my own. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, shout out to Andrew's Wi-Fi. Um, but yeah. As I tweeted yesterday, I am completely fine however you're handling this right now because we don't have very many details at all, like in terms of confirmed details. I, you know, I see a lot of people running with Andrew Bogut's podcast yesterday. It's just not something I want to do based on his history. Uh, if you've, <laughs> I was reading a Reddit post about Andrew Bogut, and the guy, if you guys remember at last year's trade deadline, there was a fake tweet about how Pat Riley had fallen asleep at the deadline. It was a completely made-up story, completely made-up, about Pat Riley had fallen asleep at the deadline, and that's why he had not been able to uh, com- complete some kind of trade. Andrew Bogut like, talked about that in depth on his podcast as if it were real. So I'm just saying like, I, I would like to wait before uh, making some broad proclamation about Josh Giddy. And so that's what... Uh, we're going to do. And Andrew just texted me. He said, I just completely lost internet, which means Andrew's not going to be back for a few minutes. Wow. This is uh, so thankful to Andrew for putting me on the spot like this. Um, why don't we go to the... <laughs> Kevin says, wow, Andrew Lal. Um, oh, yeah, but so... Oh he's back. He's back, back. Andrew. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. What? Maybe you chose the worst time in the world to drop off of the feed. Good Lord. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what in the world is going uh, well, on Well, you didn't hear, Andrew, but I was just mentioning that, uh, you know, kind of like the state of what we know, which is just not that much. And, and I was yeah. mentioning that I saw a lot of people running with the Andrew Bogut podcast yesterday. And just like his history in terms of the things he was willing to talk about on his podcast makes me just want to wait. That's all. I yeah. just want to wait. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not. We I, know as much as you do. Like, we are not getting any additional information. Yeah. And uh, 
it, I, my my thing right now is just emphasizing like how much this whole situation sucks because that that's really the only thing I feel comfortable saying right now mm-hmm. is that this entire situation for everyone involved yeah. there's not a person there's no positive angle to this no. this entire thing sucks yeah and it's 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 so unique in this franchise's history I mean there's really nothing to compare it to. I mean, there have been off-court issues with players in the past, mm-hmm. but never with a player of this uh, like high of a profile, mm-hmm. um, and never with something with these kinds of accusations. Yeah. So it is really uncharted territory for this franchise and for this fan base, and so I'm, I'm trying to give a lot of people like the benefit of the doubt because I, I know that there's a lot of. There's a lot of I, I tweeted yesterday, Andrew, something mm-hmm. that I thought was pretty innocuous. I thought it was pretty innocuous. I was just saying, hey, you can feel however you want. I'm sh- I'm struggling a little bit to like have the same uh, energy about this season that I did a week ago. Mm-hmm. I got comments uh, calling me a pedophile. I got a comment calling me a pedophile. Yep. On the flip side, I got a comment saying that I was protecting uh, abusers. Yeah. So th- th- there was there was uh, y- you get exposed to everything and. I want to shout out the people who who did respond and were very nice and several people saying you just need to log off, which mm-hmm. absolutely is is the right idea. Mm-hmm. And you are correct, but all the people who said that. And if I didn't have to do a podcast, I think I would log off right now because there isn't anything helpful on online as it relates to this situation. But because I do the podcast, I do feel like I need to like be you know up to date mm-hmm. on 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 what people are talking about and what's going on. But uh, yeah, if you don't need to be on Twitter right now, it's it's really bad. It's really really bad. But shout out to all like the Thunder fans who did engage with me. I appreciate all of you, even if we have different opinions on like whether he should be playing or not. I yeah. like there's no right answer right now for a lot of this stuff until mm-hmm. we get more details. And so I I don't begrudge any Thunder fan for their opinion right now, mm-hmm. as long as it's not like extreme. You know, calling me a pedophile. Yeah. Yeah, let's not let's not do that. It's, I mean, we're it's a, the situation currently is like we just need to wait. We just need to be patient, and it's hard to be patient. Our society is not built on patience, and so it's. I think hard, the good news is that like there are things in motion. Like this yeah, isn't. Yeah, there, there's like if if there had never been an NBA investigation, or you know, if we didn't get news of this police inquiry, I think we'd be in a much weirder place because. Sure. I don't think that I still don't think the team would be talking about it, and so I I think that yeah. would be a lot worse because it wouldn't seem like there'd be any chance for closure on this. At least now it feels like there is something in place where we're going to get some kind of answer from multiple parties. Now that the police are looking into it as well, so yeah, that makes me feel better. Be, I mean, better about the, the yeah. situation, even though it's an awful situation. Just as like a rule of thumb, the Thunder are never going to respond to a random Twitter user. <laughs> About something that's I know. like that, like that is never ever going to happen. If if there was a, you know, like if there were charges filed, then like yeah, you might have to have a statement, but not after a anonymous Twitter person says something. Okay, we can be done. Can we be done? Let's be done. Okay. Uh, so quarter one, quarter, <laughs> quarter one. Let's one. talk about the tip. <laughs> we're gonna break this down, play by play. Um, okay, so last night they play the Wolves in a game that was much anticipated because the last time we saw the Wolves, game yeah. two of the play-in, yeah. after our, our great victory in New Orleans, and then we're, we're riding high, we're thinking we're going to the playoffs, baby. We go to Minnesota, 
and it wasn't really a close game at all. And the the size difference in that game, back in that that playing game, was very noticeable. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the last memory of last season. Yeah, the last thing you you saw from that team was just them kind of getting beat up pretty good by a much bigger team. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of us were interested. Okay, how are they going to do this year? Because we have the addition of Chet, which. Yes, he's not like a huge guy, but he's taller than anyone else on our team. Long arms. And Kenrich is back. Yeah. Shout out, Kenrich. Yeah. And so I wanted to see how they would perform. And I I think overall, the takeaway was, okay, we can play with this team. Mm -hmm. The the size difference is not so great that that in a seven-game series, they would sweep us. I still wouldn't want to meet this team in the playoffs because, I mean, one thing, like McDaniels wasn't there last night, which... That would obviously be a huge thing, um, mm-hmm. especially in terms of guarding Shea. Yeah, and Akil. I still don't want to see this team in the playoffs because I do think they do have some natural advantages against the Thunder. But I also felt like, okay, we are much more competitive because, especially, you look across the like the box score. A lot of guys for the Thunder just like a lot of big guys for the Thunder did not shoot well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chet and J Dub combined for eight of thirty yeah. from the field. Bad. And and it still was like a very close competitive game. Mm-hmm. So you know, big picture, I felt pretty good coming out of the loss. Yeah. The only thing that's kind of like nagging at me a little bit is you still kind of and you're still kind of waiting for like the big statement win. Now maybe you could argue that was the Golden State win. That was a very good win. Although Draymond wasn't playing. Yeah. I'm still waiting for them because we saw it last year. I mean, you look at their stats right now. Seven and one against teams below five hundred, mm-hmm. and then I think they're like three and five against teams above five hundred. Yeah, which isn't isn't terrible, honestly. And they won the on type. the road too. Like Houston hasn't won right. on the it, road yet. So yeah, and and then being on the road against Minnesota. I mean, that's not a game they should win. Yeah. Like, but but I'm I'm kind of waiting for just that big like statement game. Where it's like th- this is the 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 game, and and maybe to be fair, maybe that was the Warriors game, but um, you know, I I didn't come away with a ton of negatives about the team overall. It wasn't even though they out rebounded us, which they did out rebound us by fifteen. I think it was fifty to thirty five. Mm-hmm. They didn't grab like a ton of offensive rebounds. They've kind of cleaned that up. We haven't seen those big explosions of offensive rebounds like we saw earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't as big of an issue as it's been in the past. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about just like overall? Overall, I th- I think this is when I talked, and some people are kind of giving me trouble for saying like young teams lose games. Like this is this is part partially like a young team issue in that they just don't really know how to play against the zone. Like offensively, they were so bad in the second half whenever the Wolves threw out the zone, and. I give Mark a ton of credit because one of the guys that I feel like is best against the zone on this team is Aaron Wiggins because he moves so well without the ball. He spaces really well as well. And he hit those two corner threes that were very helpful. He knows just when to cut. And it's just going to be a matter of like really sharp decision-making for them during those moments. And I thought they did pretty well. I thought they did pretty well down the stretch of the game, but there were just times in the third and fourth quarter where it was like, man, they could not buy a bucket. I mean, only 17 points in the in the third quarter after scoring 29 and 32 in the first two. They have got to figure out the zone. And also, Chet was not great shooting the basketball. 6-20, like you mentioned. He's going to be better than that. 
we've seen him already kind of learn after playing different teams and be better the second time around. Like the way he looked in Chicago in his first game, the way he looked against Chicago just last week was like night and day. He had kind of learned how the Bulls play. And there were moments where I thought Chet was a little scared to go against Rudy, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And so I, yeah. I'm so curious to see what he looks like. They play them again in January, like January 20th. I'm so curious to see what Chet kind of learns because he's a really smart player that learns after every game. Like right now, like he's only played 17 games in his career. And so he's learned a lot. He's gotten better and he's going to get better as the season goes along. But like in specific matchups, like I want to I want to know what Chet looks like after he plays against Rudy and then gets to see tape of himself against Rudy Gobert because I think he can be a lot better than that. Yeah, there was the I think the highlight or the low light, which was shared on Reddit, because it was a super impressive Gobert play, was with around four minutes left in the fourth. I think Chet got the ball three separate times yeah. on a single possession. Mm-hmm. And two missed shots in there, the last one being like this mid-range air ball. And Gobert was just all over him. Yeah. And it wasn't just that he was like in his face, because some of it he was like backing off. It was that Chet, you could just tell Chet was so concerned about Gobert. Oh. Like, I think the third time when he got the ball passed back to him, he, or no, it was the second time. The second time he got the ball passed to him, back, back to him, he was around the free throw line. He could have immediately shot it and been wide oh, open. Oh, he had like three feet, but he, and, he but like he hesitated because he, he saw Gobert right there, who, who wouldn't have been able to block it. No, like, he would have could have shot it. I was just, that that was one moment where I was like, why aren't you not? Sh- why are you not shooting the basketball? If you miss, it's like whatever. Yeah. It's a great shot. And I, I think that was something you saw, and and this is credit to the Wolves because they are so aggressive. You saw those moments of hesitation for the Thunder. It wasn't mm-hmm. just Chet, where. They, where they normally would just be able to make a quick decision, but they were so concerned about like the Wolves either just like going to be right up on them or something that they would hesitate a second and then it would end up in a worse shot. Yep. And that w- and then the other thing you would notice is Chet just did not look comfortable against Rudy inside, Definitely like offensively. Yeah. I thought defensively he was actually fine. He did great. Um, yeah, I thought the Thunder yeah. defense overall was great last night. But you saw a few drives where Chet would go in to Gobert's body and looked like he had like pretty good position on him. Like Gobert was kind of stumbling back, but he would shoot like these weird like flip shots instead of just trying to go up strong against him. Mm-hmm. It's like he didn't even want to attempt to challenge Gobert around the rim. He was just kind of like throwing up these prayers, hoping they would go in. And contrast that with someone like J Dub, who who did not have a good night, but did start the game off with like some insane dunk attempt on Gobert that never had a chance. It was awesome. From though. the moment he jumped, it was like, there's no chances going in, J-Dub. It was amazing. Though. And then he had another one, which I was just impressed that he got this layup over Gobert. He shot it like off the top of the backboard. Yeah. And that, that one actually had a chance to go in. But you kind of compare and contrast those. Like, J-Dub was trying to go at Rudy a little bit more, mm-hmm. whereas Chet was trying to like find shots while being able to avoid Gobert. Um, and listen, I mean, Gobert has been awesome this year, and I think last mm-hmm. night was like a very good example of that. Um, he obviously has caught in a ton of flack going back to his time in OKC when yeah. he uh, 
with the COVID game. Um, mm-hmm. But he has been pretty awesome this year. And that that play in the fourth quarter, I mean, when they when they're talking about like defensive player of the year at the end of the year, that's the type of play that they're going to be showing mm-hmm. of Gobert, where he is just shutting a guy down and making him so uncomfortable. You're just a year late on your prediction. Or what year, was my prediction? Or a year early. You're early. Yes. You're early? Yeah. What was it? When you said that the, the Wolves are going to be the number one seed in the West. Oh, I know. I know, man. And they were not. But now. And then are. I got scared off so bad that I didn't even like consider it. Yeah. And now it's looking. Here they are. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, also, okay. I wanted to bring up. Oh, yeah. oh, go ahead. Go I ahead. just I just had to talk about the Troy Brown stuff. Oh, that was very annoying. Five yeah, we six. didn't even mention that, that <laughs> in case you missed the game, Anthony Edwards. Goes out of the game on a really hard fall. Really bad. It looks. It's obviously it, like his right. I think it's his right hip. Look. Yeah. It looked pretty nasty. And it was a. It was a kind of a collision at the rim where Jay Will's trying to take a charge, and Ant goes up, and of course he's so athletic. He's like so far in oh the air gosh. that when he falls, you realize how far he has to fall in that moment. It's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be terrible. Yeah. And he lands. He kind of like braces himself with his hands, but then he lands like right on his hip. Yeah. And it looks so painful. And, and I think the scary thing was like he stayed in the game, but within two plays, he, you could tell he was in so much pain yeah. from, from whatever it had happened. Yeah. And so, yeah, so he goes out. And at that point, I think the Thunder were up by four. It was, it was something like 76, 72 or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're feeling better because obviously Ant's an incredible player. And he was going off. But, like the Thunder, that was part yes. of like what was happening in with like the quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the Thunder had a, a pretty nice cushion and then they kind of let ant get a little loose and it was not good yeah yeah and uh and then of course at the end of the game troy brown jr troy brown jr uh he's been on the lakers he's been on the wizards uh probably one of the most random like top 15 picks in recent drafts yeah just yeah not a he sounds like a second rounder but he was a i think he was the 15th overall pick i'm not even positive i could have told you he was on the wolves <laughs> I don't. I, I think I agree with you. And he, the, I mean, the main shot. I think it was like with a minute and a half left. He gets the ball for some reason. There are other players on the court. Cats on the court. It's because that was the, the Thunder's game plan. Was like, hey, yeah, of true. all the players on the court, we would like yeah. for you, Troy Brown Jr., to deliver the victory for the Wolves. And if you do, God bless you. And uh, God did bless him he because. Did. He came off some screens from Cat and Rudy. Didn't really matter. Like yeah. Shea was kind of right there. It was a deep three, and he nails it. Yeah, nothing and you then, can do uh, about that. There's nothing you can do about that. I think he had back-to-back makes in that final minute and a yeah, half. Yeah, he did. Um, just brutal because it's like, why? Why, why is this the way is- <laughs> we're going to lose? <laughs> every, I mean, every time I see something like that, I think back to the Sundiatic Gaines game. Sure. When he was like called up for the Jazz and on a TNT game, yeah. just comes in and like wins the game for the Jazz. Yeah. Where you just get these like random players and, hey, we've had it. We had the Isaiah Joe game. I'm sure Dallas fans were like, who is this guy? Why is this, why, why is this happening to us right yeah. now? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it was rough just because I did feel like that was a very good Shea game and it felt like it was kind of setting up for shay to kind of take over mm-hmm. and in many ways he was taking over mm-hmm. and then awesome. to have that fire just like <laughs> completely <laughs> blown out by troy brown jr 
uh, it hurt a little bit. It hurt yeah. a little bit because it felt like the victory at that point was like right there. Like, oh, it was there. It one was more there. stop, and they they played good defense, like they you said. Did. Like they got the ball to the guy they wanted to, and it just didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. They yeah they allowed him to to do that, and he did it. So hats off to to Troy Brown Jr. Uh, and then the, the last shot, Shea even said post game that he felt like if he could do it again, like he rushed it. You know, he rushed the shot because he thought they were going to foul him. They were going to foul, yeah. And so... I, I went back and watched that play multiple times. And so it's like... It looks like Joe is setting a screen for Shea, mm-hmm. but he's really not. And he spreads out to the three-point mm-hmm. uh, arc in the corner. And it looks like Giddy could have passed it to Joe. Yeah. However, like, Kyle Anderson, very smart. Like, he was right... He was going to be right there. By the time the ball got to Isaiah Joe... Kyle Anderson would have been there. It would have been a good contest. Mm-hmm. I think the reason that play failed was Chet then comes over. He acts like he's going to set a screen on Isaiah Joe's man. He doesn't really. Mm-hmm. Then he comes over and tries to set a screen on, uh, it, I think it was Troy Brown Jr. And it, it almost looks like Troy Brown Jr. goes through him. Like the screen had zero effect. And so when Shea catches the ball, he already has like no space. Plus, like Rudy Gobert is defending the inbounder, which it was Giddy, and so Gobert's right there too. So, like, even if he had wanted to like drive a little bit, he would have been running into Gobert if he continued that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just looked like that that Chet screen just was not effective at all, and as a result, there was just no space by the end yeah. of it, and you kind of got like a classic Thunder end of game shot, which we have seen in the past, yeah. where it's just like a, a very far three. He could have made it. I mean, yeah. he's good enough to make that shot, but. It, it just kind of felt like a prayer. Yeah, it it was. And that, that is what it is. It's hard. It's hard to drop plays, especially against a really good defense like that. Because the way the Thunder get like a wide open three is like the Wolves have messed up. And like the truth is yeah. like the Wolves didn't mess up their coverages at the end of the game. And so the Thunder had to get the ball. And who do you want? You either want it to go to Chet or you want it to go to Shea. And you want those guys taking the shot. And they got it. They did get it to Shea. And Shea just rushed the shot. And, you know, they had they had chances to win this game. And they lost it. And they, they're in the game. Like, that's, that's all you want. Like, as a good team, that honestly, like, this season is so much. It's about getting to the playoffs. It's about winning games. It's also about, like, learning the lessons you need to learn as this group together. And if they can continue to learn these lessons and grow together. I mean, there's, they obviously have a crazy high ceiling and this is, this is probably the worst version of the, this thunder team that we're going to see, you know? Yeah. And they're still I mean, really the, good. You know, J dub, you know, back from injury, he was, he's a guy who for them to reach their ceiling, he obviously has to be, he has to be very good. Yeah. He's got to better. He just felt, to me, it just felt like he was out of rhythm. Like he looked pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Like he was making normal J Dub moves. He didn't look like creaky out there. Mm-mm. But you know, starting with that wild dunk attempt on Gobert, that just never really had a shot. And then you know, he had a transition pass to Kenridge that was just way off. He had two blocking calls where he actually got to the line, but could have easily been charges. Like they kind of looked like out of control plays a little bit, mm-hmm. where he's just barreling into guys. It just felt like he couldn't. 
he, he just wasn't comfortable yet, like getting back to his shots, his spots. Mm-hmm. And we, we know he'll get back there, but you know, he's coming back from injury, so I'm not going to freak out about it. But yeah, it wasn't a good J Dub game at all. I mean, he had, he had team worst minus 15, he was two of 10, only took three threes, missed them all. He did get to the line seven times, which, which, was good and it was kind of part of that aggressiveness like the aggressiveness was there the physicality was there yeah so that's a good sign for a guy coming off of injury yeah but it, he he just felt out of rhythm um so i'm not too worried about that i didn't want to talk about mm-hmm. something andrew mm-hmm. uh stats wise mm-hmm. so watching the game back one thing that stuck out to me and i realized oh this is kind of like i feel like this is every game is how wide open all of Chet's threes are. Mm-hmm. It feels like every time he is taking a three, it is the widest open three ever. And part of me is confused because it's like, why are these teams not catching on? Like, he's a good shooter. Like, even last night, a game he shoots six for 20. He was three of eight from three. Like, ends up being a pretty okay night from three for him. So you can look this up on NBA.com. And I know there's some debate about, like, how accurate this is. So take it with a grain of salt. But for a guy shooting four three-point attempts per game, 2.9 are wide open, which means the defender is six plus feet away. 0.9 are open, and then only 0.3 are are tight. So he it, it did match the eye test in that, yes, I am seeing that every game, Chet seems to be getting just wide open threes. And as I thought about it more and looked into some more stats, I, I really think I have to give credit to the offense. And I actually think this is a sign of how dangerous this offense can be mm-hmm. because I went and looked at the league as a whole. So OKC are fourth in the league in wide open three attempts per game, 21 per game. They're shooting 37.8% on those wide open attempts. And a lot of those are coming from Chet and from Isaiah Joe, because I'll tell you the other teams who are kind of up there in terms of, wide open three-point attempts per game. And you'll see some of them make sense. You know, like Indiana, Sacramento, those are one and two. Makes sense. Like, those are high-powered offenses. They have lead guards and and Sabonis, in the case of the Kings, who are generating these wide open threes. Makes sense. Then you have teams like Memphis, Chicago, Portland. And I feel like that's where OKC would have been, like, two years ago, where, yeah, maybe they were getting a lot of wide open threes, but it was because the other team didn't care. Like, the other team wanted them to be taking them. That's really not the case this year. Like this is the number one three point team in the league. Number one by percentage. And they are also averaging the most wide open threes per game. And so the other thing I looked at, Oh, by the way, just as a comparison, I mentioned, OKC is taking 21 wide open threes per game. Cleveland is 30th in the league. They take (laughs) 13.3 wide open threes per game. But then I wanted to look at, okay, this is kind of, this might actually be, even more impressive because OKC actually doesn't take a lot of threes. Mm -hmm. They take the eighth fewest threes in the league right now, which if you look at the last couple seasons, like that is a dramatic decline. I think two seasons ago, they were taking over 37 threes a game, Mm -hmm. which was like top 10. This year, they are only taking 31.8 threes per game, which again, as I mentioned, is the eighth fewest threes per game just overall. So if you look at the percentage of their overall threes that are wide open, it is 66%. Over two-thirds, two-thirds, I guess it's exactly two-thirds, of their threes are wide open for a team shooting 40% from three. Like I, th- I feel like I have to give the offense some credit for that and not just blame like poor defense. Like They shouldn't be generating 
this many wide open threes for these legitimately good shooters. And yet they are. And you compare that to other teams like Sacramento, only 56% of their shots are of their threes are wide open. Memphis, 56%. Chicago and Portland are at 63%. Indiana is kind of right there with OKC at 65%. You know, the only thing I came away from this thinking is like, I kind of just want them to take more threes. Like, I want more shooting. I mean, you look at last night. There is Isaiah Joe taking five, Chet taking eight. That's great. The rest of the starting lineup, J-Dub takes three, Shea takes one, Giddy takes one, Dort takes two. Like, this team is a good enough shooting team at this point where if they could increase that volume, and I don't know if they're going to end up being a 40% shooting team, but if they just, like, took the amount of threes they took last year, which was 34 per game. It's like an extra six points per game. Mm-hmm. I, and I just I just want to see it because I feel like they finally do have the shooters. And for them to be taking the eighth fewest threes in the league when they're generating these awesome looks from three and they're shooting an awesome percentage, it feels like there's some like low-hanging fruit there that, that, that could be corrected. Yeah, I think like the, the generation of open threes is, is a result of playing Chet at the five. Like this is why no. you play Chet at the five, because if you put Chet at the four, most teams don't want to move their big outside the paint. And then if you're a five-out team, like the Thunder truly are, you have to either you have and if you do that, if you move your big away from the paint, which is what they're trying to do, then you open things up for the best driver in the NBA. So it's either yeah. you're giving up wide open threes, or you're giving up the hoop to the best driving guard in the league. And it's so like, this is why. Like, you are, you are illustrating exactly why you want to play with Chet at the five. And, like, why, what they're trying to unlock here. And I agree. Like, they need to take more threes. I don't think they're going to be a 40% three-point shooting team, but they're obviously going to be probably a top 10 three-point shooting team in the league. Like, they've got good shooters. That was, a, that was a bold prediction. I, I don't know if you guys gave me a... I mean, you might have only given me a jalapeno on that. But yeah. <laughs> it'll still count. It will still count. It'll still count. I, sh- I should have said top five. Yeah. Yeah. That and the, been bold. I mean, they've, and they've been good. They've also been really good from the mid-range. They're only taking 10 mid-range shots per game, but they're shooting 47.6% on those shots, which is second in the league only to Minnesota, who's at 47.7%. Yeah, um, I mean that's pretty good. They also just need to get more shots in the restricted area total. I think they're one, two. Why don't they number these things on NBA.com? I don't like that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteenth, fourteenth in restricted area, 14th. right in the middle of the pack, only yeah. shooting sixty-four point nine percent in the restricted area, which is toward the bottom of the league, like bottom ten in the league. Uh, in the restricted area. So like they can be better there and they need to get there more often. But yeah, I think that uh, they take a variety of shots too. Like that's kind of the interesting thing about this team is like, it's not just like getting to the hoop and taking threes. Like they, they take a variety of shots and their offense is going to open things up for them. They, one, they have to be better against the zone because I think teams are just going to zone up on them all year. And, like, Minnesota slowed them down significantly because the Thunder were rolling in the first half. And part of that was they were able to draw a lot of fouls and they were able to get the free throw line a bunch in the first half, um, which is helpful to their – and that's the other thing. It's like they are the best 
free throw shooting team in the NBA. And I think they're going to be. I don't think it's fluky whatsoever. I think they're going to be. And they need to find a way to get into the bonus over and over again. Something that Chris Paul was like so good at was just like finding ways to get those like early fouls on yeah. teams. And so if they can continue to do that, that to me is going to be a huge part of their offense too. Is like using the weapon of like we have several guys that are in the 80s and a couple guys that are in the 90s in free throw shooting. Like we need to utilize that as a weapon and get into the bonus as fast as we can. Um, and so like, to me, there's there's a lot of interesting things. <laughs> yeah, and you, the you saw that uh, as soon as they got in the bonus, like at the end of the second quarter. I think Shea, he, he didn't get to the line a ton. I think he only took six free throws. But four of them came at the end of that half because he, he whipped out the head whip, which got him two trips to the line. Um, you saw people on, online complaining about that. Um, but I thought that was very smart from Shea. Like, as soon as they were in the bonus, you start seeing him going to some hardened tactics mm-hmm. to get to the line. And mm-hmm. it did work. Um, and based on the amount of calls he's been getting this year, hey, I'm cool with anything. Anything to get Shea a couple more free throws right now because he's not he's still not really getting that many calls i mean he takes six six free throws today six yeah guy who averaged 10 yeah um this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive nba prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an nba game and more Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Who else did I like, Andrew? Uh, Isaiah Joe. Despite not hitting his shots, I just think he's... I just I continue to think that he's just good. He's really good. Like, he's physical on defense. I mean, he's always going to have, like, the natural limitation of he's just not a very big guy. He's pretty he's pretty slender, mm-hmm. but he's physical on defense and he's aggressive on offense. Like not only the three-point shot being aggressive with that, which I love that, but he had a really good take to the rim last night where he gets fouled and gets to the line. And I just don't think that's something you would have ever seen him do, you know, last year. And he's just becoming such an all-around player for them. And I, I have seen conversations about, like, you know, if you could change the starting lineup, what would you do? And some people suggesting Joe. I, I do think the size limitation would make me hesitate from just throwing him in the starting lineup. Yeah, I actually yeah, yeah. really like him coming off the bench right now with, and playing in lineups, like bench lineups with Shea. And you look at the numbers for the lineups, and they're, like, insane. When, when those lineups numbers. can go against uh, backups, like, they're just destroying they're they're incredible. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why uh, I, I was looking up today. Isaiah Joe has the best on-off numbers for the Thunder right now. Like when when you can bring like Joe, Kaysen, and Kenrich off the bench, <laughs> like it's so nice. That is incredible. Throw yeah. them with Shea. Like they're going to destroy second units, mm-hmm. and I'm totally cool with that for the time being. Mm-hmm. I do think there's like you know obviously right now there's a conversation about you know should Giddy be playing because of off-court reasons. I do think there's a, a, a an interesting question about like is there basketball reasons for like not playing Giddy right now because I do look at that starting lineup and that starting lineup has been good they've been mm-hmm. solid they're like a plus six uh, per cleaning the glass yeah but you feel like they should be getting more out of that lineup like that lineup should be killing in the same way that these bench lineups are killing mm-hmm. and I do look at Giddy who. You know, you look at his stats, and it is just like across the board, he has just been a different player from what he was in the last couple of years. I mean, I remember his rookie season. I felt like we were getting like two to three highlight passes per game. And that's probably exaggerating. It probably wasn't that. But I can remember spending a Sunday morning just going through all of his assists for the years, for the year, and how many just incredible passes there were. Yeah. And I really feel like that part of his game. It hasn't vanished because you still get like those out of bounds plays mm-hmm. um, th- that are that are very good. But like the actual like in the flow of the offense, crazy passes, you d- you just don't see those anymore. Yeah, like those have kind of dried up in his game, and I don't know why that is. I mean, we've talked about how coming into the season he was focused more on scoring. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think last night he had one assist. If he's not that guy. What is he bringing to that starting unit? Because yeah. he's certainly not bringing defense. He's not bringing shooting. If he's not bringing that kind of elite playmaker, you're really relying on his rebounding, which I will say his offensive rebound percentage has normalized. It's bounced back up. His defensive rebounding is still below where it's normally been. Yeah, You really need him to be an elite rebounder. Mm-hmm. And then the only other thing he's really bringing is his size. Because you know when you think about, okay, if you did replace him in the starting unit, a lot of times, unless you're talking about Kenrich, probably, 
Um, and I guess you could talk about J will as well. Like a lot of the other options are going to be a huge downgrade in terms of size. Like Giddy does offer something as far as just being someone who's, you know, six, nine, mm -hmm. but I, I am struggling more and more seeing his fit on this team. And once again, outside of like one out of bounds play, Mark chooses to go away from him at the end of games. Yeah. And that has been a trend now. And my thing with it is, even if he was having a good game, I don't know if Mark's decision-making would be different. Mm -hmm. Because I think you could argue, especially in the first half, like, Giddy played pretty well. Like, he had yeah. his, you know, floater range shot going. Like, he was looking pretty good overall. Even if he's having a good game, is he the best option in a in a closing five unit and i'm just not sure he is there are just so many options now with depending on who you're matching up with kenrich williams isaiah joe case and wallace all three guys who are bringing a combination of shooting and defense that giddy just can't provide yeah. he just can't provide and so as i'm thinking like big picture obviously there's a, a massive off-court conversation mm -hmm. but in terms of the on-court conversation, like if we're getting to the point where Giddy is not playing in closing lineups, that either means he's not one of the five best players on this team, which I, I think may be true, or it means that you can't play your five best players together at the end of games. Like either way, it drastically changes how I think about him long term on this team. And we were coming into the season kind of uh, you know, checking the box of him probably getting a max rookie contract extension. Yeah. Um, everything that's going on right now, you know, that obviously could affect that. Yeah, but for sure. talking purely basketball, like I can't, I cannot imagine that at this point, given how he's being used currently on this team. Mm -hmm. And, and again, it's like the difference for me from last year to this year is that last year we didn't have Casey Wallace. We, didn't know about Isaiah Joe really yet. I mean, we, we probably did 16 games in. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a conversation with Kenrich. Now it just feels like there are so many more options that the conversation has shifted for me in that way where I am starting to think like, and, and some behind the scenes. So last Tuesday, obviously before everything happened on Thanksgiving, we uh, were interviewing Sam Bassini. Andrew had to run out of the room. And uh, I was like, oh, this is my chance to talk to Sam about <laughs> Josh Giddy trades. <laughs> uh, which, which we, I'm sure we did record it. We didn't include it in the episode, obviously, because yeah. we were just like chatting. Yeah. Turns out Andrew had his headphones on the whole time. I heard the, heard whole the entire thing. conversation. Heard the whole thing. Uh, but but it, it was at that time a conversation I was really interested in just because I, I have a really tough time figuring out his on court value mm -hmm. uh, for different teams, mm -hmm. not just OKC, but for other teams as well. And I was, I was surprised by Sam's answers. You know, those answers are going to be totally different now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I was ready last Tuesday to begin having that conversation. Um, that conversation is kind of, you know, out the window right now. Yeah. Um, but I do think the question of like his long-term fit on this team on the court is more interesting than it's ever been because of the other players on this roster. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I also like can't shake how he played in that play-in game against the Pelicans. Like he was like one of the best was, players on the well, court. 
at the same time, game. like, I, I mean, Dort scored 30 in a game seven. And, yeah. like, at some point, it's, it's one not, game. That It's one game, but he was so much better last year. <laughs> like, we, oh well, definitely. We he, just he, can't. He was, we just can't question so that. I think. I th- I think that mentally, like the game is so like everything we do is mental. But like the game of basketball is like if you're not locked in, it's going to be tough. And one, he's shooting so poorly in the paint and on his floaters right now. He's shooting thirty two percent from three to ten feet, which is like almost all floaters at this point yeah i mean he for his career he's 45 percent from 30 to 10 feet like that's that's a huge part of what's going on here is like he he needs to diversify his offensive game is like is is one thing he needs to be able to do as a score um so that's not been good he's also at the rim 60 percent, which is not awful but it's not good he's 64 percent for his career and he's only shooting 60 percent like some things can get better for him, and then from three to he's twenty nine percent, which that that may be indicative of the kind of three point shooter he is. But not only but it, it's more is, that he's abandoned it. Like he's a, he just he's abandoned t- it, but also the team the team abandoned him in ways last night too, where he's open on the perimeter, and there were times where they just wouldn't even pass him the ball. So like there's there's a lot of things at play here. I'm I'm willing to be more patient, but and this is this is always going to be the case with this roster. And with this team, and we're seeing it now with like guys like Trey and guys like Poku. And I'm not saying that like Josh is going to be in the same position as those guys, but there's a lot of talent on this roster. And if you are not getting better, if you are not actively getting better, there are guys around you that are going to. The yeah. Thunder have a great developmental system, and if you're not getting better, the your minutes are going. They're going to start waning if you don't get better, and so. Josh has a baseline of a very good NBA player. But if a guy like Kaysen Wallace, who is a top 10 pick in the draft, and a guy that is a better shooter, he's a better defender, he's probably a better fit as just like a guy around these bigger pieces in Shea and Chet. And continues to excel in his role. And excels in his role. It it feels like he's already hitting the ceiling of that role. Like he's done it. Like he's, he is so good in that role that they have given him. And it feels like we're reaching the point where like you have to start giving him more responsibilities because he's he's kind of acing what you're asking him to do right now. It'll happen. It'll happen. And I'm willing to give Josh the benefit of the doubt and give it, give him some time and let, this whole dark cloud passed before I'm just like, yeah, Josh is not going to be a part of this team. I, I think that we need to like give him like a lot. There needs to be a lot of time. Like I don't, I don't think anything is going to happen with Josh this season. Like, I would be like completely floored if something happened in this season. I think he'll sign his next deal with a Thunder. Like I think that will happen. Um, but I think it's fair to question what things look like now, but also have a willingness to be patient with with him. He had a slow start to last season. He's having a very slow start and also is in an awful situation right now that mentally I think any of us, if we were in that situation, would be completely checked out of what we were doing on a day-to-day basis as a professional. So I think I'm I'm just willing to, to wait and give him the benefit of the doubt. But... I will also, within that, give Mark Degnall a ton of credit 
for trying different guys down the stretch. You know, giving Wiggins a chance to get in there. You know, giving Kaysen Wallace and Isaiah Joe a chance to get in there and play in closed games. Because I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary right now with the way that they're playing. And even Dort. Like, Dort's not... Dort played 25 minutes last night. Like, he, he's not played great during the stretch either. And Mark recognizes that. You know what? Like, there are guys that can take minutes from some of these starters. And that are... Yeah, are going to take minutes from starters, and I guess my question is just like, what is the point where you really start seeing Mark decrease his minutes? And, and it gets to the the bigger conversation of like you know people calling for the Thunder to not be playing him right now. Like, at what point? I mean, th- th- what he, what he's experiencing in away arenas is only going to get worse, in my opinion. That that is not going to stop anytime soon, and. His, I mean, he's just a completely different player. I mean, yeah. we mentioned his threes. He took 31%, 32% of his shots from three his rookie season. Mm-hmm. He's down to 15%. Mm-hmm. He's basically exactly the same in terms of free throw rate that he's been previously. His assist percentage is way down yeah. compared to the, the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. I, I do think we're reaching a point where, for basketball reasons alone, they have to start considering giving more responsibilities to other players on this team yeah. because Josh just isn't impacting the game. I mean, there's a reason why he's a team worst minus 19 right now. Mm-hmm. And I think just continuing to play him again and again and again, when the returns are this bad, when there are potentially better players on the roster, that that's the part that I struggle with. Like how long do you do this until you just have to try something else? Now it doesn't really matter because in terms of the record, like they're playing great. Like yeah. th- th- those bench units, as long as they continue being wildly impressive in terms of net rating, like they're going to be able to cover up a lot of deficiencies. And the starting unit is so good outside of of Giddy. You know, having having J Dub, Chet, and Shea in any lineup, that's probably going to be a good lineup. Mm. So like Giddy will be protected in that way. But I, I just do think. They're eventually going to have to reach a point where, like, he's just not impacting the game. Like, what is he bringing to this team night to night? Other yeah. than you're just wanting to see development. Yeah. Well, I mean that, and also like he's had some good games this year. Like he's had stretches where he's played well, and so I I just think that's not gonna. I mean, they're not gonna go away from Giddy. I guess that's just that's not gonna happen. But I mean, you look at his minute totals. Like he hadn't played thirty minutes in a game since november 12th you know like they are that's that's why like how can you not start thinking about the future in terms of like his his role on this team when the the team is de-emphasizing him it's a seven game sample though it's a seven game sample and like he's in the midst of like complete turmoil like i i'm just sure i think it's okay to like consider it but i just think it's it's a little early and it's it's hard, it's hard not to react to it at times. But I just I I think that I think it's still more time. Like we're still we're not even in like a full quarter of the way through the season. Like, I don't know. Like I I'm just I think the I just can't react to it yet. I think the reason why I'm willing to be more aggressive is because when you step back and look at what this team has now, like Shea is a kind of like undisputed like top five player in the league yeah like 
He's been unbelievable. Whether it's eye test or whether you're going by the advanced stats, mm-hmm. uh, Trill Bro Dude posted today that he is now number one in EPM ahead of like Embiid, Jokic. Isn't that crazy? Like Shea. SGA is number one in EPM. Estimated yeah, plus not, minus. That's nuts. So you have that. You have a top five player in the league. And I think you have a second all-star. If this continues, Chet is going to be an all-star. Oh, yeah. If this team no, continues like, to stay it. where they are. Book it. Like book it, stamp it, whatever you want to do. And so that's why I'm starting to want to be a little bit more aggressive, not in terms of you know making big star trades, mm-hmm. but in terms of optimizing this roster. Because like if your window isn't open when you have a top five player and a second all-star on the team, when is it going to be? Like, how many teams can say that in the league right now that they have a top five player and a second all-star? I realize we're like projecting in terms of Chet. We don't know for sure that he's going to be an all-star, but I'm just starting to look at this team differently. They are so much further ahead of schedule than what I even thought they would be this year. I mean, we're talking about like, oh, if there's a second all-star this year, maybe it's J-Dub or maybe he's like a fringe all-star. Sure. Like if J-Dub starts playing well and Chet continues doing what he's doing and Shea's doing what he's doing, you'd be very hard-pressed to find any other team in the league that can like match star talent for star talent with the Thunder right now. Which to me tells me like whether we want to hear it or not, like the window's open. The window's open. If you have that collection of core players, like the window is open now. It doesn't mean you have to rush out and make some insane trade, but it does make me wonder, and we've kind of seen it with Usa's minutes. I feel like they've been kind of well, I mean, like last got, night he got like two possessions and I was like, All yeah, right, yeah. Oos time's over. You know? Yeah, so you do see it in some aspects. It does feel like they're tightening the rotation in some aspects. I mean, we are yeah. not getting the type of 17 guys playing in a single game that we sometimes would see yeah. last year. So, yeah. so they are doing it in some ways, but that that's why I'm like a little bit more willing to be aggressive about talking about making some changes or, or giving someone like Kaysen more responsibilities, because I think this team is closer than we want to believe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I just still like, we're still 17 games into Chet's career, you know? Yeah, but this is like the craziest 17-game start to a career it's amazing. that we've seen. But like the thing is, Al, he's going to be so much better than this. But he's already... He's already he's very good. already an I all-star? I know. I know. I'm telling you that this... That they're... That they have something really cooking here and that they have... Not only do they have a top five player and a future all-star. But the fit of the two is maybe one of the best in the league. Well, and that's that's what I think should be so scary is because their fit is so good. And and I think J-Dub's fit is so good. Yeah, Dub's fit with those two is really good. Like you are dangerously close to finding like two other perfect pieces to slide in and, and just like, creating. And they like, might a have them line. already on the roster. It's the thing. Well, they might. And what I'm saying, Andrew, is that I would like to start exploring that. And they are. I don't think but the they current are. starting lineup but, is the optimized version of that five man unit. Yeah, but the thing that's is, all. like, it still could be. Like we we just have to. No, I don't. Th- I see. That's where I disagree with you. I don't think there's any chance that that is the best five man unit. There's the no chance. There's zero chance. Zero. 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 Because of Giddy shooting, 
as long as Giddy isn't going to be a shooter and not, not yeah. even taking them, it yeah. cannot that, be the best that, five man yes. on the it, team. If he plays like he has the last five games, then dude, I would I'll, say going back to his rookie season. Then of course not. If, if if he's a thirty one percent shooter on yeah. on three attempts per game like he was his rookie season, I don't think that's that is not maximizing what you have with Shea. Twenty six percent his rookie season. Twenty six. Wow, you had that right off the top. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to say. There's a lot of talk about trades right now. Trading uh-huh. for a star. Uh huh. And I want to give a shout out to SportsFan405, who has really shaped my thinking on this because <laughs> you. What? Why are you laughing? We love Sports Fan 405. We do. He's great. I I love him. I just I don't know. Okay, go ahead. No, we, we I was I, I was DMing with him about like some of the trade ideas me and Vicini were coming up with. Uh huh. And you know a lot of people right now are are obsessed with talking about Lowry Markkinen. Mm-hmm. Leave leave aside the fact that I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. But thinking about it from the perspective of like, given what we think about the three guys, Chet, Shea, and J Dub, is what you want really another high usage guy no. on this team no like i was talking with him and i was thinking about it like ideally if i was thinking of a trade target it would just be like a better kenrich williams like if you could just get the better version of kenrich williams whatever that is like that's really what i'm looking for like mm-hmm. a guy with size mm-hmm. who can defend multiple positions mm-hmm. who can who will make and take threes mm-hmm. and play within the flow of the offense like that's really what i think might be like the perfect fifth piece yeah for whatever future starting lineup we have i don't exactly know who that player is but i think that's one of the reasons why kenrich is so good on this team yeah. is he is filling so many of those roles in one he allows you to play chet at the five yeah. like that that is the type of player it's probably why you know we liked guys like jaris walker or, or even someone like Taylor Hendricks, like these players who we could kind of envision a future scenario where they kind of fit all, they checked all those boxes, mm-hmm. allowing us to do everything we wanted while not taking anything off the court, not demanding the ball in any way. Mm-hmm. I really think those are the types of players I, I would want over, over making some big star trade for a guy who's used to like 25% usage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't. You, you can't add that to this team because then it's like, where are we going to take shots from? Like, who are we going to take shots from in that scenario? You know? Yeah, we're already complaining about Chet not getting enough shots. I, I realize he took 20 last night, but... Well, he's going to get... Like, I mean, he's he's going to be the number two option, if not the number one option down the road. Like, that's yeah. going to be the case. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, it's got to be like a super role player that fits next to Chet. That's big. That can defend wings is really what you need. Is somebody that can come in, defend wings, shoot threes, and be tough. Like you need somebody who's like Kenrich, who has like the mentality, like just like the toughness out the wazoo is yeah. what you need. And like maybe that's not a guy that's in the league now. Maybe it is somebody in the draft. You know, like we look at Casey Wallace, like he provides a lot of that. He's just not big enough, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, and I agree with that. Yeah, it, so, it, yeah, I, I, I love Kaysen, but his size is going to limit his like flexibility on this team in some ways, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Like we we don't need him to be the absolute perfect player. He's been perfect in his role thus far. Yeah, he's been great. He's been great, and I think, I mean, truly, and we saw this with what the Sixers have done. And they've been good, but they haven't really necessarily even accomplished the things that they want to accomplish. But it's about like 
hitting a couple times on players. And then like once you hit on them, like you've got you have a, and if you have the flexibility that the Thunder have, like they're gonna figure this out. They're gonna be able to figure it out, you know, moving forward. It's just it's still gonna take a little bit of time because these guys still are so young. They're so young. And like we need to give them the time to get it together. Like it's not gonna happen this year. Like these and maybe they'll make a trade like similar to like the Bays trade at the deadline, you know, this year. But I don't anticipate them making like some big deal to, like, f- you know, finalize who this team is. You know, I just don't see that happening. And we don't know what's going to happen with these picks, you know, in this upcoming draft. Uh, right now, if the season ended today, we the Thunder would have the ninth pick from the Clippers. <laughs> You know, like we just, we just don't yeah. know where this is all going to end up. But like this draft is not good at the top, but there are some. There's going to be some good role players coming out of this draft, and perhaps. And, and it sounds like uh, I, I was seeing uh, Rafael Barlow's tweets mm-hmm. about how this has become one of his favorite draft classes. Not because he like believes in the talent at the top so much, but mm-hmm. just because he thinks that big boards are going to be so varied among like draft expert to draft totally, expert totally. and it will really force draft experts to like decide what they really care about yeah. in prospects in a way that other draft classes have been a little bit more chalk in some ways oh yeah especially last and, year. and I, do, I do think that will be interesting like there will be guys who some people have ranked 40 that other people have as a lottery prospect yeah and just you'll have wider variants and that will make the draft really exciting too because there will be players who are going to fall that depending on who you're listening to, it's like, oh, this is this is a lottery level prospect. Yeah. So I do think it'll be fun in that respect. Yeah, right now we would have nine, nine 15, 15, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. But nine and fifteen. Gosh. And it, and like and this is also one of the drafts where it's like, hey, we'll give you nine and fifteen in a future like valuable second for six. And yeah, they might, something. and they might be like, Yeah, we'll do that. And Utah uh, is still super interesting because they're hovering at eight right now. Yeah. And I still don't really know what to think about them. Like they have not been good. They're but it's good. also there's so many teams worse than them that they're like they're good enough where the, I think they'd have to like go all out to tank mm-hmm. to beat some of these other teams, like to be worse than, you know, Detroit, San Antonio, Washington, Portland, Chicago. Like I think they're just gonna naturally be better than those Horn- teams. Hornets too. Hornets. Who just lost um, yeah, I don't know. What, I skipped Memphis because I don't really know what to do with them. But um, Utah, in terms of that pick conveying, it's going to be like right there. It's going to be on the edge. Yeah. For sure. I would still bet that it does not convey. Which I think is better. It's better for the Thunder. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it, this, I, I think that this is an interesting draft because it, it favors good front offices that do their scouting. You know, like that truly are going to go watch these guys in person. And it's it's a weird draft, too, because there's players in Europe. There's players in um, Australia. There's G League guys. It's the Ignite. It's I mean, it's all over the map. There's college freshmen that are really just tough to evaluate in general. I mean, there it's it's a tough it's a tough draft. It's a tough, yeah. tough draft. And it will favor the teams that actually put in the work uh, and the Thunder do. Like they they just flat out put in the work and they will I I think this is one of those drafts that 
I think the Thunder will be glad to have like some like they're gonna have some power behind some of these picks. I think I don't know that the Clippers is gonna end up being a top ten pick, but I do think like the Rockets has a chance to be a lottery pick. Um, and if that's the case, like that's you know you have a chance to really find somebody. I mean, they found Case and Wallace, and not that they're gonna find somebody that's necessarily that impactful, but maybe they do. So. This is also just like a <clears throat> preaching of patience a little bit. Like it gets really exciting, and like I no, feel like no. I feel like no patience. We can be like like the excitement like needs to. I don't know. Like sometimes, as an NBA fan, like our excitement immediately turns to like this is good. How do we make it better right now? You know, and that's what people are doing on Twitter all the time. You have like people that are watching the Thunder for the first time, kind of drop in on this team and be like. Chris Mannix is like, oh, what, what, what trade can they make? You know, and it's like, come, like, okay, like, can we watch? We, play, we watch the team play seventeen games. Like, can we not like try to like blow up everything that's happening right now already and just like see what we have here? Because there's obviously an intentionality in playing Jang more minutes, and like whether you're a Jang believer or not, I think people are all over the map with him. That's because we just don't have a huge sample on him. Like, I think they want to give him a little bit more time. I, even uh, Mitzich is somebody that we haven't really seen a ton of, who I yeah. think could like down the stretch of the season be a bigger factor in what they're doing. So I mean, there's a lot of things at play here where I do think that they have a good top eight or nine players that you feel comfortable with playing in the playoffs. And I would like to just kind of see that, you know, before they make any big move. I'd like to see, like, what are, what are these guys made of? Like, do we know how good these players are? Because sometimes even making, making a move too early, too, it's like, oh, like, we shouldn't have done that. We wish we could have that one back because, like, we traded a guy who has a higher ceiling for role players, and, you know, we've seen that play out in the past. So I just think that yeah. patience is the way it's, is, it's going to go. And I think we just need to be, like, and, and we need to anticipate the patience. Oh, I, I, that's, that's, I definitely agree with that. Good. I do think patience is the way it's going to go. I would be shocked if they made any uh, big splash. I'm just, uh, uh, I'm more interested in, in talking about it than I was, you know, even a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Just because I suddenly think the near-term ceiling of this team is higher than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that you eventually have to react to that in some way. Mm-hmm. And it may not be this, this year, but, uh, you know, thinking I like thinking about the draft, like thinking about <laughs> bringing in two more rookies into this team. Like I'm starting to reach the point where it's like, okay, no, 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 I don't want, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> There's how are they possibly going to get minutes? They would have to be so good. They would have to be Case and Wallace shooting like three for three from three every night. Yeah, like it, it is going to get increasingly hard for anyone to make an impact. Yeah, and well, that's where I'm like, okay, now we have to figure out something because yeah. we've reached the point where there's nothing left you basically have to be good like to be like case and wallace he's good like they knew he was good they brought him in like you can't be i don't think the thunder itself can handle developmental projects and like them like actually work out because you need nba minutes and they are like so like towing the line with Oos right now because he still is a developmental project that needs minutes. Like you, you have to have NBA minutes to get better in the NBA. Like you just have to, and it's really hard because like you have a group of guys that are on the roster that are ready now. Like they're ready to play now, 
And then you have like a smaller group of guys that aren't quite ready, but need more of like the incubator. And that incubator is going to slowly fade away. And you saw like when they tried to do that with guys like Perry Jones in the first go around, it's just too hard without real NBA minutes to like really give these guys what they need. And so like in the draft, like I, there's going to be guys that, you know, McKelly and I are going to cross off early on that are just like, hey, this guy's like a project, like a two or three year project. Like, I just don't know that they can take on those guys anymore because it's just too hard. And even you see it in Golden State where they're trying to do the two timeline thing of guys that aren't ready to play with guys that are not only ready to play, but ready to win championships. Like, it's just too hard to do that. Even like Darko, uh, Darko back in the day on Detroit, like, he was more of a project. And he was on this team that's ready to win now. It didn't do him any favors. And, and maybe he's just not a good NBA player. But it's a tough situation to bring in a project to. Uh, all right. I think that's I think that's good. I think we're good. Are we good? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to our show. Hey, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you could. That would be so, so nice. Uh, we're reading all of them. I'm seeing all of them. So, so nice. Appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, we'll have another podcast you on Friday. Uh, L-Man and Taylor are out this week. So that's a thing. Um, so Jay and I will have a pod for you later this week. Uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.